You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 528 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live here from State Farm Arena, so please forgive the background noise, but uh, we're back for the second straight night from the, from the confines of my seat high above the fray at State Farm Arena, and the Atlanta Hawks lost again in this game, their third consecutive double-digit loss at home by a final score of 124-108 to at the hands of the Magic. A pretty ugly performance from the Hawks, all things considered. We'll talk more about that, of course, as we always do, but to sort of set the stage a little bit for this game, there was not a lot of buzz in the, in the building tonight. Um, I guess in one weird quirk, this is the first time I got, I got this stat from a good friend of the program, um, Bob, over at ATL Hawks Fanatic on Twitter, who writes for me a little bit at PeacetreeHoops.com. He's a uh, salary cap and uh, Hawks historian, to be sure, and he points out to me this is the first time in his database, which goes, goes back to 1996, that the Hawks have ever played a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time game on a Sunday uh, at, in, in this particular building. So a little bit of just weirdness there to start off with. That was uh, basically because of a league rule. Orlando played last night in Milwaukee, and as a result of that, the earliest the Hawks could schedule this game was 7.30. So they went ahead and did that, and uh, that was a, sort of a one-of-the-kind occurrence. Aside from that, though, there wasn't too much to discuss pregame. There was one injury uh, bit of weirdness, is that, and that was the fact that Aaron Gordon was listed as questionable early in the day on Sunday. As a result of that, the Hawks were actually favored in this game for a while. They were they were about 1.5 or 2-point underdogs before that, and then Gordon was put on the injury report as questionable. It swung all the way to the Hawks being favored by about a point and a half or two points. And then Gordon actually played in this game. So when he was ruled back in, it swung back to the back to Orlando being favored in this game, which is kind of just funny. It's the kind of stuff that I always enjoy and the kind of stuff that I like about the weirdness of basketball and points spreads and all that fun stuff. But eventually, by tip-off, Orlando was favored, and they held serve in this game, obviously. So as we always do, we'll sort of go, go, go through this game from top to bottom and then discuss the individual players at the end of the podcast. So first, first things first. The first quarter was uh, not that bad from the Hawks. You know, they, they, they actually trailed by a, final, by a score of 26 to 25 at the end of the first quarter, sort of a back and forth. It was actually a pretty nice start for Atlanta. Um, Torian Prince got off to a hot start with five of the first seven points. Kevin Hurd had a dunk as well to go um, sort of lead that charge early on, uh, and then a nice block on the help side from John Collins and a Trey Young step back three. That combination led to the Hawks leading 15-9, a pretty pretty strong start there. In fact, Young had five assists in the first six minutes, and the offense was kind of humming a little bit in the opening minutes. With that said, Orlando took an 8-2 uh, run to go ahead and take the lead back. And it was sort of back and forth after that. Um, but after some nice fireworks in the early going, it kind of slowed to a crawl after that. In fact, the two teams combined for 40 points in the first 6 minutes and 48 seconds of this game. And then they scored 11 points combined in the next 5 minutes or so. Five, and, and, sorry, I guess the last 5-12 of the first quarter. So a hot start, a lot of offense early on, then sort of a slog after that. And that was kind of the theme, honestly. One more note that I wanted to mention. Alex Lynn was was blocked twice at the rim by both Kim Birch and Aaron Gordon in the first quarter of this game. I thought Lynn was actually pretty solid in this, in this uh, contest overall, but not a, not a great situation for him as someone who's probably the biggest player on the court most of the time. The Hawks did take care of the ball, though, in the first in the first quarter. Only three turnovers. They were, they were okay offensively and not terribly defensively in the first quarter. So if you're looking for a bright spot, it was probably the start of this game. But the second and third quarters were, were, were what ended up doing, doing the Hawks in this game. 
and that has to be said. You know, Orlando had a 7-0 run to go up by 8 to open the second quarter. Um, John, in fact, sort of probably the weirdest play of the night was John Collins being blocked three times on one possession by Jonathan Isaac. With that, you know, Isaac is a, is a pretty good shot blocker. He's very long, very athletic, so it wasn't like it was the most unlikely source of the blocks. But Collins being blocked three times on a possession is something that you, that you, you just don't see that very often because he's someone who's really good around the rim, obviously. So I, I made sure to note that. That was a weird play, to be sure. I will say on the positive side, it was a really good passing first half from Torian Prince, who isn't known for that necessarily, but he had at least three or four really nice, encouraging passes, and he was making quick decisions in the first half. I thought he played much better in the first half than he did last night. He cooled off after that, which has to be said. He was not, he was not alone in that, but there were nice passes from Torian. If you're trying to find some positives, that might be that might be a good one to latch onto from the first half. But another 7-0 run from the uh, Magic to go up by 11 points. There was a nice deep three from Kevin Herter to get the Hawks back within six late in the late in the first half. But from there, it was a 9-0 run from Orlando and an 11-2 run overall to close the half. And something the Hawks were down by 12, sorry, the Hawks were down by 15 points at the break after kind of being competitive for the most part. And uh, that ended up being a costly little stretch for Atlanta. In fact, it was uh, punctuated by DJ Augustine, the Magic starting point guard, going coast to coast in about the last four seconds of the first half. Some terrible defense there from Atlanta to never stop the ball. He went all the way in for a layup to go up by 15, and that was uh, definitely something that was uh, not, not, not great to see if you're a Hawks supporter, to be sure. Orlando took care of the ball a lot in the second quarter. Only one turnover. Didn't shoot that great, but were uh, attacking on the offensive glass. Blake Pierce referenced that a little bit in his post game, just getting out-rebounded, something that you, that you don't see from the Hawks all that often in, in the recent past, and they were pretty bad on the glass in this game. Um, in the first half, they allowed a, 133, sorry, a 133 offensive rating to the Magic. That was a theme throughout this game. Um, <clears throat> after halftime, it got a little bit worse for the Hawks, obviously, as you might imagine, given the score of this game. In fact, across the end of the first half, where, where there was an 11-2 run to uh, end the first half, across the end of that and the beginning of the second half, it was a 23-4 overall stretch in favor of the Magic. They, they scored the first seven points of the, of the second half after an Aaron Gordon uh, gorgeous drive and finish with, to open the frame. And suddenly the Hawks were down 25 points in an absolute hurry. Atlanta scored two points, two points in six minutes and one second between the end of the first half and the, and the beginning of the second quarter, sorry, of the second half. So that kind of tells the story of the entire game. That 23-4 to run broke the game open and, and the Hawks could never really, really respond after that. In fact, Lloyd Pierce called timeout with 7.38 to go in the third quarter and made a full line change to got all the stars off the floor in a hurry. He referenced post-game that he, that he thought the stars were really flat in this game. That was the way that he put it, quote, really flat. Um, I would certainly agree. The plus-minuses would agree with that as well. In general, especially in that early part of the third quarter, it was kind of an embarrassing effort from the Hawks, and Pierce did not seem particularly pleased by that. But really, that, that, that sort of ended the game. It wasn't obviously over at that point. You know, we've seen crazy comebacks before, but being down 25 within the first five minutes of the third quarter is uh, pretty much a death blow for any team. The Hawks were down 20-plus for the entire third quarter after that. Uh, one thing that I was I was happy to see was that Justin Anderson played some at the, at the power forward spot in the second half. Obviously, it was pretty much garbage time, but it was good to see him get some minutes at least. Vince Carter did not play at all. In fact, he didn't play the whole first half, which was not a huge surprise. The Hawks have done this a couple of times with Vince this year when, of course, he's 42 years old. This is a back-to-back, -back, and I think the plan all along was to not play Vince. So by the time the game got broken open, they, they probably could have used Carter, but it was probably better to just keep him, keep him on ice, given his age and all that fun stuff. So only 11 players that actually appeared for the Hawks in this game. And they only have 12 active in general because Poitras is, is still in the G League and they were without Miles um, Plumley and John Adams. So they only had 12 guys available. Just one of those things. And uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that here in a moment when we get to the actual individual players in this spot. Uh, in the fourth quarter, 
the Hawks were not really threatening. They got they got it to 19 at one point after uh, Young found Collins for a bucket, and Trey actually also hit a, hit a trio of free throws early in the fourth quarter to get back within 19 points. Um, one thing that I want to note is that Torian Prince sat for a very very long time. He sat he, he sat from the 7:38 mark of the third quarter to the 8:15 mark of the fourth, so about 11 and a half minutes. At that point in time, the Hawks did put their full starting lineup back in the game with 8:15 to go, down by 23 points, but it never really mattered. Honestly, there was a four point play dagger from Terrence Ross with about six and a half minutes to go to put the Hawks down by 27 points. From there, the Hawks did battle back, as you might see in the final score, only lose by 16 points, but that was because the bench kind of outscored the Magic in garbage time. Really, this was probably a 20-point loss in a, in a real sense, um, and yeah, that kind of tells the story. I, don't, I usually do a little bit more detail in the second half, but the way that it was going really kind of isn't worth it in this particular spot. I will say, big picture-wise, the defense was bad again, and it's not a huge surprise in some ways. You know, the offense actually ended up with pretty solid numbers. A lot of that was the fourth quarter and the fact that the Hawks scored 34 points in almost pure garbage time. Before that, they really struggled offensively. Um, but defensively, we'll, we'll sort of stay there a little bit first here. They allowed 98 points in the first three quarters, and that was the competitive portion of this game. The end result was a 129.6 defensive rating. That is really terrible. In fact, in the two games previous to this, the Hawks combined for a 127 defensive rating, and then almost 130 here. So that um, just for I know if you're if you're a new listener, probably not familiar with that. Anything north of 110 is really really bad. So basically, the, the Hawks should be the Hawks have been allowing about 1.3 points per possession in the last three games, and you just can't win doing that, frankly. So you know Orlando coming into your home building and outscoring you like that is kind of crazy. You know, there's probably some excuse when you're playing against Toronto uh, in the first game of this uh, homestand because. The Raptors are really good on offense. They have a lot of talent, even though they were shorthanded. There's probably an excuse there. And even Saturday night, when you're playing against Kemba Walker, who's just scalding hot, and Jeremy Lamb and Marvin Williams, those guys had it going a little bit. It's a little bit more excusable. But tonight, I guess a bad offense in Orlando to give up a 130 defensive rating. And really, it was probably worse than that. It's probably somewhere in the 135 range before the garbage time set in in the fourth quarter. It's just bad. And I think the, the lack of energy, lack of effort that Lloyd Pierce kept referencing after this game, I'm not sure if you saw this interview. Um, you know, post game, they all they all often broadcast that on Fox Sports Southeast in the post game show. Pierce was uh, repetitive in talking about the lack of energy, lack of uh, force, lack of spirit from this group. He was certainly seemed disappointed by that performance, and it wasn't all execution. I asked about the execution a little bit. There was there were some things in this game that were you know skill related, execution related, but he definitely hated the uh, energy level in this spot defensively, and it's cut, it's tough to uh, disagree with him in that way because the defense was really bad, and a 130 defensive rating definitely outlines that. Offensively, there were some nice moments across the board here, especially the first first quarter and the fourth quarter. You know, the fourth quarter was almost all garbage time, but still, they actually ended up with, with pretty good offensive numbers at 113 offensive rating, 46% from the floor, 41% from three. That's actually pretty solid, but it felt worse than that, if I'm being honest, in the moment, and I think a lot of the garbage time kind of helped that. It was about 103-104 after three quarters, and that's probably a more true representation of what the Hawks actually were able to do offensively in this game. So, you know, big picture, obviously, a 16-point home loss to Orlando is bad enough. And it's made even worse when you factor in that the Hawks were probably, you know, the real result here was probably about a 25-point home loss, considering how bad the Hawks were until about the last four or five minutes of this contest. So we will come back in a brief moment to talk about all of the all the individual players in this contest. I do want to take a moment to, to remind you, to, to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast. It is definitely useful if you want to go ahead and click the subscribe button on your platform of choice. A lot of options, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Player.fm, 
um, Overcast, all those places that you like to listen to podcasts. Spotify, we should be there as well, as well as PeachtreeHoops.com, where, where the podcast is hosted in terms of in terms of having listening guides and all that fun stuff. So you can certainly find the podcast if you have a question about your podcast player. If you can't find us there, please let me know that at BT Roland or at Locked On Hawks on Twitter, and I will do my best to facilitate that and get that set up for you because I want to make it as easy as possible to listen to the podcast, and hopefully that will be uh, some incentive to go ahead and hop aboard and join us on this journey throughout the, throughout the season. So after the short break, we'll come back and talk more about the individual players in this game. Okay, we're back to talk about the individual players and um, not too much in the way of positivity, I will say, in this spot. There were a couple of bright spots off the bench. We'll start there. Amari Spellman had some nice minutes in the fourth quarter especially, but really the entire game, I thought I thought Amari at least played with good effort. He was one of the few guys I thought played pretty hard. Ten points, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal from Spellman. You know, his plus-minus throughout the season has not been great. I was going through some numbers today pregame and was tweeting about those. His plus-minuses are not are not ideal for the year, but you know, he's a rookie big man. It's going to happen, but I thought he played at least reasonably solid when compared to his teammates in this game. Um, DeAndre Bembry had another quiet night offensively, only had two points. That they, they did, they did uh, come on a, on a monster dunk for the second straight night. That was kind of all Bembry's done the last two games offensively is had those two big dunks, one in each game. But defensively, he at least did his job, but uh, not too much to speak of when it comes to DeAndre. Alex Lynn finished with good numbers, 16 points for Lynn on 4-7 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3, and 6 of 8 from the free throw line. I will say, I referenced this earlier, he had some trouble finishing around the rim in the first half, which is at least a slight, a slight black mark to his performance, but I thought Lim was pretty good in general. It's a better matchup for him than some in the recent past. Um, Jeremy Lin, I thought struggled in the first half, but had a nice stretch in the third quarter where he was one of the few guys in the third quarter that actually played with any force whatsoever. Had 12 points, four assists, and three rebounds, and was pretty efficient. He's been struggling in terms of his offensive efficiency on his own in the, in the recent past, but he was four of nine from the floor here, two of three from three. Good to see that. Always bouncing back a little bit, making some shots to help the offense. And Kent Bazemore was pretty quiet. I thought it was not a great Bazemore game. I thought he was much better on Saturday. Seven points, four assists, two steals for Bays. It wasn't like he was absolutely terrible, but not a, not a, uh, a game to write home about if you're Kent Bazemore. And finally, Justin Anderson, nine minutes, five points, was plus eight. Didn't do all that much offensively, but you could have seen him play some minutes. I, I continue to want the Hawks to try him at some point, and they're probably going to do that at some point along the way. But they just haven't really done that so far. To the starters in this game, again, not too much to be positive about here from this fivesome of players. Uh, in fact, the plus minuses were as follows, minus 22, minus 18, minus 20, minus 25, minus 18. And it's not always that, but the starters as a whole were really bad in this game as a collective. You know, Pierce referenced the fact that the starters were very flat. I can't um, disagree whatsoever. In fact, I was tweeting about this um, before the game, but the Hawks coming into tonight, this, this five-man unit that, that is starting for the Hawks right now of Young, Herder, Prince, Collins, and Deadman was minus 9.2 points per 100 possessions. That's very bad, and it's the most frequently used five-man group that the Hawks have this season. In fact, their defensive rating has been off the charts bad, about a 124 defensive rating coming into the night. They've actually, they've actually been pr- scoring pretty well. Offense has not been an issue for that group, but just getting stops. And if you think about it, it's not a big surprise. Um, honestly, Deadman's the only guy on, on that five-man group that's at least an average or better defender. Everybody else is below average right now. Collins is below average. Prince is below average. Young is far below average, and so is Herter in terms of being a rookie and all that stuff. I know there's there's room to be optimistic about Collins and Herter, especially defensively. And Prince has more tools than he's shown. But at the moment, four of the, four of the five defenders out of that five-man group are bad, um, or at least pretty bad defensively. So um, that kind of speaks to why the Hawks might struggle defensively, and that's one of the reasons why I think that Kent Bazemore would be a better starting option than Prince, I think, if you, if you want to change that up. But you know, without, without getting too bogged down into that, 
it's definitely a sort of something that manifested in this game to some degree. So individually, John Collins kind of struggled in this spot for him. 15 points, 5 total from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block shot, which was a nice, actually, a very nice block shot from John Collins. You know, this is a game where Collins doesn't have his usual explosion advantage against a very, very long Orlando team. You know, Isaac especially is extremely long at the 4. Um, they're pretty big as well. Aaron Gordon playing small forward is uh, definitely something that's a very large um, human being at that at, at that point in the lineup. Vucevic is a legit seven-footer. They have some good size. Um, and Ken Burks actually played well off the bench for them as well. But Collins just didn't have it really going. Uh, he, he was actually listed on the injury report um, before this game. He, he was probable all day, and there was never really any doubt that he was going to play with, with right anterior knee pain is the way that they described that. Lloyd Pierce was actually asked about that before game. He kind of downplayed it, um, saying that he wasn't going to be limited at all, and Collins was basically fine. He didn't look like he was hampering, uh, sorry, hampered too much in this game, but it was one of those things he just didn't, he just didn't have his usual force. You know, it's, it's a back-to-back. It's kind of it's kind of definitely explainable for John, but I didn't think he was particularly good by his standard in this game. Uh, Prince, I mentioned before, had some nice passes in the first half, made a couple shots. He was uh, 8 points, 3-5 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 assists, 1 steal, 2 block shots for Torian. Um, his numbers don't look terrible there. I, I think his defense was still pretty bad in this game. I don't, I don't think he was as bad as he was on Saturday. It didn't stand out in the way that it did on, on Saturday to, on, the, uh, on the repeat viewing experience that I had. But, you know, just didn't have too much going on aside from a couple of a couple of jumpers, a couple of nice passes. But, um, you know, some little things that he doesn't do well uh, still jump off the page when you watch the tape. Um, Dwayne Dedman was very quiet in this spot. Did have five points and six rebounds, but... Not too much of an impact. Made an early three, um, continued, to, continued sort of his hot shooting, um, and then cooled off after that, though. Just didn't make too much of an impact really at all in this game. It wasn't like Devin, just, it didn't feel like he was terrible, but just didn't have it going really at all on either, either end of the floor. Um, Kevin Herter probably had the best game of these five guys in terms of just overall comparison to their usual body of work. 15 points for Herter, 6 for 11 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3, had three, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. You know, Herter was fine. I thought he made some shots, a couple of aggressive plays with the ball in his hands. Defensively struggled. Big time with Evan Fournier um, and Terrence Ross and others. You know, actually, Lloyd Pierce talked about this before the game that they were kind of game planning to stop the catch and shoot guys, being, being Fournier and Ross specifically. Um, talked about how they had, uh, he was actually a little bit late to the pregame because he was talking with uh, with uh, three players, Anderson, Carter, and Bembry, about how to sort of um, game plan for the shooting in this game. And it's just one of those things where you have to be able to uh, go ahead and do that and uh, cover your bases in that way defensively. So. You know, all, all told, it's just one of those things where you have to be able to defend. You have to be able to do what you're going to be asked to do. And, yeah, it's just one of those things. Um, elsewhere, I guess the last thing on the agenda was is Trey Young. 13 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds for Trey. The offensive numbers were not the problem. He was minus 25, though. Defensively, he was a problem, as he almost always is. Um, it's one of those things, you know, 5 assists in the first 6 minutes and then cooled off from there. Didn't really have it going offensively after that opening stretch. You know, Young was not the problem necessarily overall, but he didn't help defensively. And didn't play with, 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 with quite as much force as he did on on Saturday offensively. Didn't have the sort of command of the game that he had had in previous spots. So, you know, just something to file, file away there. I, I would say, I was asked after this game, who played well for the Hawks? It's kind of hard to find someone that played well for the Hawks, all, all things considered. Um, you know, I guess Herter would probably be the closest thing. Maybe some of the guys off the bench. But in terms of the starting five, there just wasn't much going on there for the Hawks. So that's probably going to do it for today's podcast. Wanted to uh, go ahead and remind you to subscribe to the podcast and do all that fun stuff. Please bear with me um, in terms of this sound quality and we'll be back again probably not until after the game on Tuesday night against the Lakers unless something weird happens because I want to take a little bit of a break after the back-to-back over the weekend but uh, please stay tuned please subscribe and we'll see you as late as Tuesday evening.